What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. So, here's a shocker. Conor McGregor is tweeting again. This time he says he wants to do a slap fight opposite Nate Diaz, and he's even going to move up to middleweight. I'm going to discuss that, plus Sean O'Malley's comments made on Patty Pimlet. But first, I want to begin with what we saw this weekend in the world of jiu-jitsu as well as the UFC. Strickland versus Cannoneer, here's what happened. All right, I know where you guys at on that. Where are you guys at on that? What, what, what do you want to do now? Is there ever been a fight that you wanted to see? You know what, that's, it's, that's not a nice way for me to do that. It's early in the week. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a way I want to start off with everyone. Let's try this again. If if the outcome was different, would your anticipation What do you want to do, guys? This was a main event. All right. Let's try it from this perspective. Do you disagree with the outcome? If you disagree with the outcome, it will be very easy for you to answer for me, what difference does it make? At which point you will tell me, well, it makes a big difference because what I'd like to see is I like to see this guy go over here. This was a buildup and a, and, a, and a stepping stone because I, I, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? I mean, I'm just asking you, if Sean Strickland is no longer a main event, that's going to matter to me. I think he's a big deal. I think he's a really good fighter. But I think that he brings some other stuff, some other bells and whistles that are very attractive. I also think if you thought that Sean was going to go out and walk over Cannoneer, I would ask you how you got to that conclusion. Just for the future, I tell you, be very careful. There's only a few things that we know in life, right? Like in a cage fight, anything can happen. You'll hear that expression all the time. But there are some commonalities that you want to look to just on a very human level. For example, what goes up must come down. No matter how great things are going, for sure, not a maybe, they're going to come down. How are you going to deal with it? I think that Strickland got put in a very precarious position in that he was knocked out in an undercard bout, and he returns from said knockout to a main event. That's a tough spot. Like, that's a, that's a lot for anybody to bite off. And just getting there the very next time after a knockout you're going to have a lot of question marks that possibly the audience never sees, but you'll be wondering them yourself. Is my jaw bad? Is my chin bad? Am I susceptible? Am I too slow to get out of the way? Things that are very unfair, the athlete will put on himself. And you guys see this a lot, and you see it more in boxing than you do MMA. That when a guy's chin goes, it never comes back. That is an absolute belief amongst the commentators of boxing. It's not true. They just don't know what they're looking at. Now, that's not meant to be condescending. Most sports guys don't. They got a fancy suit, and they got an uncle that works somewhere in production, and they got the spot. Now, they come out there, and they tell the world things repeatedly, and they're just not accurate. Look, this isn't the hill that I want to die, and I'm not looking to be a jerk about this. I'm just sharing with you. If you get knocked out one time, there is not a physiological uh, effect. And I've heard everything from there's, there's water in the brain, and as soon as the jaw, and the jaw goes here, and when those two things, are, and then it's, it's lights out, please shut up with all of that. The reason a guy will get knocked out and then be knocked out more often is because he's scared. He has a fear. He's now thinking about it. Every time you throw a punch, that's when you are open. You're not open if you just stand there. 
You go for something, you expose yourself. You go for something, you expose yourself. No matter how fast you're going to do it, if you get knocked out, you begin to question, is that going to happen to me next time? So now, from an offensive standpoint, you don't go with the same output. You hold back on shots. The greatest defense is a good offense, right? If you're coming at a guy, he's generally not coming back at you. Now, if he does, you could have a real problem. Because that's when you're susceptible. Just generally, it won't happen. Look, I'm painting with a broad stroke. But Strickland had to now deal with that. And he's got to deal with that in an environment that puts him in a marquee for up to 25 minutes. It was a lot to ask, and he did it. This was a positive note for Strickland. This was a great job, Strickland. But that's not the way that the story was told, is being told, or is going to get told. Now you got to look at Cannonier because everything that I just said about Strickland is very close to being true for Jared. What went up must come down. He was the main event of a pay-per-view for a world championship. He's now fighting without the roar of the crowd, without the pressures, but also without the paycheck and within the reward that he just had. It's a down. Oh, and by the way, if I get this one wrong, my career trajectory is in big trouble. Like there was a lot on Cannonier. But both guys went out and they performed very well. They did go out. They did perform well. You didn't see a lot of wrestling. You only saw two attempts, one by each guy throughout the duration of the entire fight. Neither attempt worked, which left you with a fist to cuffs for 25 minutes, which you, the audience, has said from the beginning of time is what you really want to see until you see it. Then, of course, you found it boring. But I'm sharing with you, what do we do now? Uh, what what do we do now? Sean now has two losses. One of those guys was going to be in this spot. One of those guys was going to have two losses in a row. What do you do with them now? And I don't like the idea of pulling and or demoting Sean. I think that he's very meaningful. But as I watched Sean going into this fight, I watched a different demeanor. That's all right. I'm sharing for you. I had a lookout. As a guy that just got knocked out, I'm talking about Sean Strickland, I was on the lookout for what's going to be different. His approach was different. It was a lot more polite. They asked him straight up, what are you going to do to Jared Cannonier? What is your plan? And he said straight up, I don't have one. Why don't you give me one? That guy is a scary SOB. Now, while that was entertaining to hear, and while that got a big chuckle from the crowd, that stood out for me. That's not how Sean generally talks. And so I was curious. Is he truly observing his opponent as somebody who has weapons that he's going to have a hard time dealing with? So the fight goes, and I didn't know who won, but I thought Sean did. I, I must admit for you guys, I, I didn't know who won. As a matter of fact, I was on a text thread with somebody you guys would consider a fight expert. They also didn't know. And then and they even said that. Well, that back and forth, they put Sean and, then, and they put Jared and they said, okay, wait a minute, my final answer, split decision, Jared. And anytime you can predict a split decision, it's very unlikely. And then it came in, split decision, Jared. Do you guys have a problem with that? Because I didn't. I didn't think that was a robbery. I thought Sean won. I wasn't sure. One judge had thought that Cannoneer won four rounds. A different judge thought Sean had won four rounds. Yeah, they were close. I can actually see that. I know on paper that sounds vastly different and vastly far apart. On paper... It was one of those matches. It was a really close fight. I thought Sean did a great job with punches and bunches, and I thought Jared had some real heat 
that landed. I thought he had some damaging blows, so I don't have any kind of a problem with this fight, but where do you go from here, right? I mean, it's always the problem. What fight is it you're dying to see Cannoneer in? What fight is it you want to see him in? What fight are you interested in him seeing in? And it's not your fault. Don't, don't think I'm blaming you if you don't have an answer for that. That's, that's 100% Team Cannoneer's job to make sure that you're interested and that your main event victory on the Worldwide Leader VSPN takes you somewhere else. And I'm just asking you, maybe he did. I'm asking you where that is. Where did he take you? I didn't see it if it happened. So I'm asking you. The other side was Sean. He finds a way to make things interesting. This is a second loss in a row. Do we want to give him the standard punishment? Right? I mean, within the UFC, if, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you have three losses in a row, you're now eligible to be cut. Certainly, we don't think that Sean Strickland is one loss away from not even being in the organization, right? That's not what we think. So what do you do from here? Where do we go? And I also think it was a little bit of an eye-opening call when you did see such a disparity within the judging. Four to one red corner versus four to blue from the same expert that saw the same fight at the same time sounds like a vast difference. It's really not. Some of these fights, they're close. And I got to throw myself and I did not know who won. But if I had to lean, I would have said strong. So not only do I tell you that it would be very hard for Chael to determine a winner, it also, I'm revealing I apparently had the wrong winner. So it's hard. It's a hard position. It's hard to judge. It's a hard question. What difference does it make? Where do you want to see them go from here? It's hard. It's their job to answer it. Possibly they did. I missed it. I'm asking you guys, where do you want to see them go from here? Gordon Ryan, Nikki Rod, what a close fight. What, what, really? I mean, is that what you thought? I, and I've got to ask you about this, and i got to go back to this. Did you see it? Did you see the match, and you came to the conclusion, boy, that sure was a close one. I can't wait till they go into part three, and that could go either way. I would expect the line to be pretty close. I would love that if you did. I mean, I really would as a community. I wish that I am part of that. That would be fun. Gordon has gotten himself so good, and you feel as though you know how the movie is going to end before it comes. He's putting himself dangerously into the category of you're so good, I'm not going to watch you. It's a, it's a slippery slope. What do you do if you're Gordon? Lessen up and not be as good. I mean, truly, it's a slippery slope. And there is times in sport history where greatness is what you're selling. I lived through the 90s. There's a guy named Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan could dribble around any of them. And it didn't matter if he was playing guys that he could make look JV. It would sell out an arena to see that greatness. It's a hard time for me to give you examples like that, though. I went back to the 90s just to find that one. Also within the 90s, there was a boxer called Roy Jones Jr., and he was the best. Oh, he was good. All the pundits saw him as the best. All the athletes saw him as the best. His future opponents that were already signed to fight would say, I am fighting the absolute best. He was. Roy Jones in the night. And I'm using a whole decade. What if I was doing this to you? What if I literally was over here making a piece about you and I was telling the world that you were the best there was for one day? You'd feel pretty good, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd feel pretty good about yourself. The absolute best recognizes that 25 years later for that one day of my life. And you should feel good. That would be rare. He did it for 10 years. 
And he'd fight right now if somebody would pay him. He never put enough money away. He never had the big fight. Roy Jones did everything in the world except for have a massive fight. You've got to have an opponent for that. You have to have somebody, whether they compete with you or not, somebody that can make the world believe that they can. Anticipation is what creates dollars. Nothing else. Not excitement, not knockouts, not highlight, not, not any word that you could ever come up with created in the English language would trump anticipation for what creates money in this industry. Okay. I bring you those because there is a spot where Gordon is so clearly the best that I want to know, did you watch the match or are you repeating what you've heard when you tell me that it was close? Now, this was exciting for me. I'm a grappling fan, okay? I'm, I'm one of the few, but it was going to be Gordon versus Vinny. Now, that match has to happen and that is the story that is going untold. The last person to beat Gordon Ryan is Vinny. I don't know if you've ever been told that, by the way. It, it kind of annoys me that that story isn't told more. It was supposed to be Gordon versus Vinny. Vinny ends up in an emergency room where he has to stay for a couple of days. That fight gets canceled. I'm not sure you guys knew that. You should have known that. And it's not your fault. The fact that the grappling world hasn't told that tale, it's a really interesting one. So finally, we're going to get this match. We're going to get it because the promoter made the match. Not a tournament, not like Abu Dhabi where those guys were scheduled in the same bracket, but let's see how it plays out. We're going to get Vinny and Gordon together. It's a big deal. And you want to know who would agree with me? Gordon. Gordon would say, man, there ain't a lot of things that keep me up at night. I would like to get that one back. So it's a big deal. It ends up not happening. We insert Nicky Rod. I'm just giving you some of the background. So Nicky Rod and Gordon go out there and they have a competition. Now, this is a little bit redundant. We, we've seen this. As a matter of fact, we just saw it. It was called the gold medal match at Abu Dhabi. Now, this is off the top of my head, but two minutes and 31 seconds. That's off the top of my head, but that's how long the match between Gordon and Nicky Rudd was the last time we saw it. Oh, and by the way, it was for the world championship. Big deal. Both guys bringing their A game, you would think. Now, that stunned me. Then it just surprised me. I was actually stunned. First off, Nicky Rudd is a handful. He's a lot to deal with, but Nicky Rod and Gordon are former teammates. Every day, twice a day, they would feel one another. Now, when you have that kind of an opponent, it just lends to a long match. That guy, he just starts to know you. No matter how bad you're beating him or how many, it gets closer and closer just because of feel. I thought Nicky Rod and Gordon was going to be one of these situations where it was scheduled for up to 20 minutes. I thought we were going to get 20 minutes. Gordon turns out to be that damn good. Gordon versus Nikki, they're going to redo it. Now they're going to go under the unified rules of grappling, which is EBI, and I got to give good for them. Everybody needs to pick the same rule set. I really thought this was a good move by the folks that put this event on. To go under the rules that we all understand, which are EBI, they got to the table first. If that hurts your feelings because Eddie, you don't want Eddie Bravo to have the credit, that's the way life works. Whoever gets there first. He got there first. There's nothing wrong, but now we understand what's happening. Now we know exactly what we're looking at. We're going to get Nicky Rod versus Gordon, and it was a lot of what you would think. There wasn't a ton of attacks by Nicky. It looked as though the ability to make the match longer was a bit of a goal. 
a bit of a success. I've been there. I, I fully understood it. At least I think this is what I think, but I think I'm looking at something that I understand. We end up in overtime. Now, overtime, the guy is going to give you a position. Can he finish the position? Can you get out of the position? It's very calculated, and it's a lot of fun to watch. And when this thing comes to an end, and before I get to that, I got to tell you, I was bothered. This was a very good referee. It really was. He really did a very good job. There's nobody when there's a camera involved. I've been on movies. I've been in commercials. Stuff that you guys loved and stuff that you didn't even know was made. But I have never been on one of those sets where everybody there did not want to be the director. We will stand down and have to wait because somebody in craft services has an idea. And I don't begrudge this as much as I just recognize the phenomenon. It is nearly impossible to have something that gets put on camera where a person seen within the camera doesn't want to be the star. It's hard. It's a really hard thing. And it's something that you're not bigger than just because you identified it, like Chael did. Well, how did Chael get to understanding this? Well, maybe Chael did it one time and is really embarrassed about it and just doesn't want to talk about it, but truly. Like, like this isn't something that somebody's bigger than. It's just a real thing. So now you have the referee that wants to be part of the show. And whenever you end up in that spot, you, you, got, you got to have a timeout and you got to pull them aside. You, you just got to. When the referee's popping on and, he, and he's got a hand signal to the audience, it doesn't matter what it is, you now have a problem on your hands. When we say so-and-so is refereeing this match and he gives whatever it is, whatever it is, you now have a problem. So we have a referee who did a very good job who wanted to be part of the show. And that from Jump Street, that from four matches earlier, when the match is going and the referee is telling the audience, the match is going. It's going right now. Where the guys are only encouraged to do two things, strangle one another and snap one of their limbs. Whether it's an arm or a leg, we really don't matter. It's a really, really, it looks like a family event, but if you read the rule set, it's, boy, this is some serious business. And while this is, the referee is telling the audience to cheer. You have a big problem. And this happened multiple times throughout the event where the referee was attempting to be part of the show. So you get into the main event that everybody's watching. You get the final position. You have Nikki Rod with what the announcers are screaming to the world is a very tight and precarious position. How would you know? How in the hell would you know because you're looking at something, the trouble that Gordon's in? They said this about Hicks and Gracie. They said that Hickson would give you, you'd be a black belt, you could be mad, he would give you a choke, he would have his hands down, he would just give you his neck, you could put him in a choke, say go, but you couldn't tap him out. They said like he had a rubber neck. I don't know that these things are true, I'm sharing with you folklore, but I am sharing with you, you also wouldn't know just by looking at it, but the announcers have assured the world that Gordon Ryan is in massive danger, massive amounts of trouble. Near moments from the king being dethroned, this is what we're told the audience, and then the time runs out. 
Now, if you think, okay, I know what happens then, they stop the position. No, no, you don't. That's where the drama begins. The time runs out, the position continues. The referee that was wanting to amp the crowd and do a number of things other than officiating a match, and that's just the truth. I know this guy's a nice guy, but I don't want him to be mad at me because I'm not giving him a hard time. This is what happened. The referee tried to become part of the show multiple times. The referee decided the audience was not cheering the way that they should. That is beyond dismissible behavior. Beyond. Whatever the line is that a referee could go, that is beyond. Any interaction and communication with the crowd is dismissible. But now you have a person who the experts on the mic say is in real trouble. But time is out and you didn't stop it. So now Gordon, who is attempting to deal with Nikki Rod, attempting to get the victory and attempting to let the referee know the time is out, finally points. He takes his finger and he points to the clock. This still somehow doesn't get a clue. The referee, he still doesn't connect the dots. So you know what Gordon finally did? He finally tapped Nikki, let me go, time is out. So now, if you want to rework the story, particularly if you're watching it on mute, you have Gordon Ryan in a precarious position. You then have Gordon Ryan tapping out. You have now, Nikki thinks that he's just uh, kinged the throne. Don't interrupt me. You know it's been a long piece. But now time is out. So Gordon, who tapped out, turns out he saved on a technicality. The clock was actually expired before he tapped out. That's the way the story was told to you. None of that happened. That's just not the truth. You don't know if Gordon was in trouble. I'm not telling you he wasn't in trouble. I'm not telling you Gordon was fine there at all. We don't know. We don't know. Time was out. Gordon was not saved on a technicality. Time was out. He stayed in the position. He did everything he could. He cut the hand that he would need to defend if it was such a tight move, and he used it to point to a clock, which still didn't get it. He finally told his old partner, you know time's out as well as I do. Let go of me. That's what happened. Maybe they'll rematch and maybe it will be closer. I thought it was a much more competitive match than Abu Dhabi. It looked like things for Team Nikki Rod were headed in the right direction. That's all fair stuff to say. Guys, it's here. Christmas week. That snuck up on us pretty fast, right? I bet some of you haven't even finished your holiday shopping, probably due to busyness, or maybe you're in a financial pinch. Look, this time of year can be stressful, but here's where Dave can help. Dave, guys, it's a banking app that could help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. With Dave, there's no interest, no late fees, and no credit checks. That's more money to buy those last minute gifts or to catch up on bills without having to wait for your next paycheck. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you without any hangups. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief that they need with extra cash. So if you're in a bind this season, if you need some extra help, listen to Uncle Chael and download Dave. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now or go to dave.com slash chael. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, Go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Do it. The future you will thank you and me.
I love dressing up and putting on a suit. Who doesn't like to look nice and feel confident when they step out? One thing that is a pain is finding the right dress shirt. That's always hard because most of the time dress shirts are so stiff and they wrinkle really easy. But not Roan's commuter shirt. This shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt I have ever worn and here's why. Its four-way stretch fabric provides the breathability and flexibility I need when I'm on set and I'm under the lights. Guys, I run hot, especially when I wear dress shirts. Since I have to suit up often, I've been trying to find a shirt that is a little more breathable while still maintaining a dressed up look. I found that combo in Roan. Let me tell you, this is not your grandfather's dress shirt. It's classy and sharp while yet comfortable, stretchy and wrinkle free. I didn't know we could have it all in one shirt, but Roan figured it out. This shirt is made with the Gold Fusion, an anti-odor technology that'll leave you smelling fresh and clean all day long and Roan is 100% machine washable. So you can ditch extra trips to the dry cleaner and cans of starch. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash chael. Use the promo code chael. That's gonna get you 20% off your entire order. Again, head to Roan, R-H-O-N-E dot com slash Chael. Use the promo code Chael. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Conor McGregor slap fighting Nate Diaz. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And I have to ask you it that way because I find about this from Tommy. Tommy in the Bronx is a great source to, for me, anything Diaz. And I get I couldn't believe this. And I even highlighted and I sent it off to my partner, Ryan. So a whole good night's sleep goes in. I get into the studio today. I'm talking to Ryan. He's asking me, hey, tell me more about this Connor versus Nate in the slap fight business. And I said, you know what? I, I, I assume they weren't being serious. Last night when I got this and I forwarded it to you, I thought we were making some real waves. But by the time I had gotten up today, the dirt sheets, the manias and the elbows they weren't even covering it. So in the process of going through this, I do find an article on Conor McGregor, and it's a brand new statement. I believe that it was made last night. Possibly at the same time or conjunction with challenging Nat, Nate to a slap-off. And it had to do with Conor going up to 185 pounds, of which he assured the world I absolutely will do that. Now, I sit down today. I don't have a whole lot to tell you guys. I want to speculate. I want to kind of tie these things together. But I also want to ask you, do you have some information? Am I missing a piece of this? In my final analysis, Dan Connors get a goodness to talk about him. I mean, Connor is better than anybody at getting people to talk about him. Let's go to Connor versus Nate slapping each other. Now, I am on board and I am open to this. I am a promoter here in Oregon and I have already booked venues and am finding talent to come in to hold a competition for the slap contest. I will also share with you Aside from booking the venues, I haven't taken a step in that direction. I don't know if it's going to get over with you guys. So I'm getting all the pieces together. I'm going to make the big ask, right? I'm going to call it before we hold them and make the big ask of Dana. Can I guarantee whoever wins, can I guarantee them a spot in your event? And I'm going to use this to promote. But in the, in the meanwhile, I'm going to let Dana do the effort. I'm going to let Dana take the risk. I'm going to let Dana spend the money. 
Now, there's plenty of pariahs out there exactly like me. They just haven't come and admitted it to you. But that's the spot that we're in because I don't know where I sit with slap fighting. But I don't know where you guys sit. Do you like it? Does this have legs? If you do like it, what would make you like it more? If it doesn't have legs, how can we win you over, right? You have the best promoter telling the story and he sees something there. That alone has my attention, truly. And when you want to talk about Nate versus Connor, when, when Nate, Nate is known for the slap, I mean, the slap is half his gimmick. You take slaps, you take 209, you take marijuana out of the Nate Diaz, you, get, you no longer can tell that part of the story. I mean, you're really taking a deficit. A slap, Nate is known for the slap. They've even renamed it the Stockton Slap. Now you're going to put Nate in a slap contest with Connor. Even if these guys were trolling us and having fun, which it now appears that they were, and I would have been a real fool to bring this to you 24 hours ago. I'm in. Are you guys in? I mean, do you see where like that would work? I don't know yet. And here, here's what I need. Here's what I need, and here's what I want them to do to get me. Because I want to like it. I want to have more things that I'm interested in. And I tried that. I went down the hockey road, and I tried baseball, and I, and I tried fly. I mean, I, I, but I do have things that I would like to like. I like to have things that I follow more. I have my hobbies. The bad news for me, one of my biggest things is the Olympic Games that comes along every four years. So I don't get a whole, a whole lot of fun. I want the slapping to tell me where I'm wrong. I right now can't believe that you have a skill if you're letting the other person hit you. And I want to be wrong. I want you to tell me what I'm missing there. I cannot believe that you have a skill on the other side of it of doing the hitting. Unless I know the coaching, the training, and ultimately the sacrifice that you went to to get that down so well. So if they can do that, if they can tell me where there's a skill in letting somebody hit you, or adversely, the offensive part where they could tell me a skill, why they had to eat right, how they had to sleep right, to build up and generate that power when they're giving the hit, they're going to have me as a fan. Conor McGregor talked about, right, through my research and detective works on this very topic, I find that Conor says he's going to go up to 185 pounds. Now, we all have a reality that we have to face at some point. You guys saw, use a great example because you know it, when Brian Callen and Joe Rogan sat Brendan Schaub down. That was their friend, but they did it on camera, right? But we all have that moment. All of us. You guys too, whatever it was, whatever your journey, whatever your path was, somebody that confronted you with a reality as to where, why you should spend your time and efforts going in a different direction. One of the ones for me was a young man named Ross. Now, what I used to do when I was way ahead of the game at the time I started doing this, but I had created a number of times my own, and it's what they call digital art. Think of a poster. Think about when a fight poster drops and you see it and boom, that's the headline. So Ross would help me with the digital art. And Alan introduces and connects us. But it was even times where I would have him make the poster and I would release who my opponent was going to be. And you, the audience, would get it and assume it was put out by the UFC. Now, that's a very simple trick, and that's one that guys might do now. But they stole that from me, and this was the plan. And I was picking a fight. I wanted it with Daniel Cormier. So I had taken a bump. I lost a match. Daniel was red hot, and he was coming up. 
Daniel's opponent falls through, which I believe was supposed to be Rashad Evans. Remove Rashad. Daniel doesn't have a dance partner. Boom, Chael's going to step in like the hero that he is and save the day. And Ross wouldn't make the poster. And he gave me like a thumbs up. Yeah, let me get right on that. And I came back five, six hours later and I checked and he hadn't made the poster. So I had to follow up with him. And then this happens again. I have to follow up again. And he finally levels with me and he says, Chael, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to see you fight Daniel Cormier. And this was one of those moments where you got to stand back and go, oh, I thought they'd always want to see me. I thought this shtick was rinse and repeat. I thought I could come back. I thought I could do it again and again. I didn't think this day would ever come. I didn't think that it would ever run out. And he was letting me know, Daniel will hurt you. I don't want to see you get hurt, and I'm not going to participate. And I'm not going to make the poster. And... The talk of going up to 185 pounds is very compelling if you have a man who's indefensible. If you have an invincible person who is cleaning out their division and they're, they're so good they're going to handicap it. Right When Vince McMahon does a handicap match, he'll put two guys against one. He'll even tie with a rope a guy's hand behind his back. Call it a handicap match. If you're going to try to handicap it and spot the opponent and do an advantage, you've got to be invincible. If Khabib, Khabib announced he was coming back and he was going to do it at 185, whoa, just the 185, before we even get to opponent, whoa, we got headline news. When you're in a situation, see, it's very tough. I had to have Ross tell me, and Brendan had to have Brian and Joe tell him, and everybody's got their own thing. Connor can't just go up to 185. We want to see you win a fight at your weight class. We're not sure you can beat these guys. Do you want to stop at 170? That's pretty interesting. Let's grab Masvidal. Things aren't going just swimmingly in his career. Let's get you guys together. I mean, there, there's a level of proof that you need, but if you have the arrogance to believe you can go up to 185 pounds and people are going to come along just because you're going to be ballooned up and somehow that's interesting. I got to tell you about the time that I tried to fight Daniel Cormier. I got a real hard talk. And I'm thinking maybe it's time we sit down and we... We have that same talk. Now, a lot of young guys today are trying to follow in the footsteps laid out by Conor McGregor, and two of those fighters have been very vocal in recent weeks with the comparisons to themselves and Conor. Sean O'Malley does not love the comparisons to himself and Patty the Batty. What do you guys think? Because I, I, I somewhat get why you would make those comparisons, right? I mean, these guys are representing a new generation. If you were to talk about the youngest guys on the roster that are over, I'd put both of those guys in there. Now, the other side of the coin is those guys aren't as young as you think. But I would still put those guys on. and They are the ones with some self-life that have some representation down the road. And it is always hard if you're getting compared to another guy. That's always hard. It's very wise of Sugar Sean to say, I don't see it and try and divide it. And I've heard Sugar Sean speak on Patty the Bat. He's actually been very pleasant. I think that those two, I could go as far as to say that those two are friendly. Now, they're in different weight classes. It's not as though those roads are going to path. Those paths are going to cross. 
but there's always a problem and when you're getting compared to somebody else. Now, that person is always in front of you. It's, it, it's hard. So if you can cut that and get it out of the way, it's very wise to do. Give you an example. Sean O'Malley was speaking on his thoughts of Patty Pimlet versus Errol Hawani. You guys will remember that beef from a time called 10 days ago. And Sean said that Patty had it wrong. He said, look, you know, your time is worth something. If somebody's using your likeness, I understand that, but you have to understand what a media opportunity is. And if this guy is a massive audience and he's inviting you to come and speak to that audience, of which, by the way, you would like to be your audience, you must view this as an opportunity, not as a pay in exchange for time situation. I thought that was very fair by Sean. I don't know if there's ever a time that you're going to get paid for doing interviews because I think that Sean's point is true. If it's a media opportunity, you want to do those. You want to be invited. If you close the door on those, you don't get invited back. The more those doors close, other people fill them. They become the star and you're not. And then you look around and you can't figure out why. The other side of it is, what if it isn't worth your time? What if the bang isn't worth your buck because the audience is so small? Well, if that's the situation, then that guy isn't going to have money to pay you anyway. So it's a simple situation of interviews are voluntary or they're not. But I thought that that was very open and honest of Sean. And the Patty comparisons, I do begin to see. I mean, listen, Patty is only doing one thing that Sean isn't. Patty's getting out there and he's talking to you. I wanted to say he started a show. Patty's got a, a podcast. So he's out there and he's staying busy and he's doing a good job of, of getting attention. The one difference between those two, it's the one thing that I've just, I've never seen anybody get over to the extent that Patty's over without having this element, which is Patty's not calling anybody out. I could narrow down a few guys that Sean is likely to fight next. I mean, just over the weekend, I heard Aljo talking Sean's name and I saw Henry Cejudo in a video call Sean out. But I don't see that for Patty. And I would normally tell you it's a mistake. It's not. I'm making an observation now. It's working without Patty doing it. Patty doesn't challenge anybody. I have the foggiest idea what's next for Patty. Patty versus Gordon in a rematch. Boom. That works all day long. Set that aside and Patty and moving on with his career. Okay, great. That works too. There was something with Patty and Justin Gaethje. And at some point, you're going to have to take that big leap. Patty's been in there 20 times and he's not that young. That's false. So I'm just sharing with you, like, these all seem like good ideas, but none of them are sparked by Patty. I've never seen a guy this over and the audience as enveloped in him who has yet to call for an opponent. We don't know with Patty the Batty if he wants to remain fighting guys who aren't ranked, but in good positions and getting good media and good opportunity and bringing people's interest in, and maybe I win and maybe he does, or if he wants to work his way up the ladder, if he wants to take a bigger risk, but then all of a sudden have a number four ranking. Continue to take risks, but all of a sudden have a number one ranking, be in title talks. We just don't know that. And that would be a very natural piece of the ingredient for any fighter that you're interested in. Now, I understand most fighters don't do that, but you're not interested in most fighters. There's 556 guys under contract. There's 50 events a year. So 100 athletes in the course of a calendar year will become main events. 
just by the deduction, not even because you're interested. I'm sharing with you, most athletes don't tell you who they want to fight next. They don't have any hype. They don't have any interest. But most athletes also don't get over. Patty's one of the rare ones who did but doesn't have that. It's a big difference between he and Sean. What should Patty do? Where do you want to see him go? A very hard spot for me. Patty won me over a couple of fights ago. He won me over. And a lot of it had to do with the interview that he did after the fact and the fact that he lost somebody and he had to come in with the weight of all of that on his shoulders. I looked at him a little bit differently. I think that he's shown very good skills, but now an ability to deal with adversity. He looks to have a built-in feature that is going to harm his career, which is the up and down of his weight cut. However, he always makes the weight and he recovers quite nicely to the point that from a competitive standpoint, it served as an advantage. I just don't have the foggiest idea what he wants to do. Does he want to be world champion? Does he even want to be a main event? Before we get to a world championship, does he even want to be the last fight of the night? Does he have heat or does he have a problem? He got a major door opened to Dustin Poirier, but Patty didn't walk through it. I apologize to Justin Gaethje, but he didn't walk through it. Should I gather that he doesn't want to go in that kind of direction? I don't know. That would be a little bit of a leap for me. I don't hear him talking about anybody. I don't see him going in any direction. And he's doing a very good job, but he's not doing the job that Sean has done. Patty is not ranked number one in the world. Sean is. Patty's making a whole bunch of money. He's not making Sean's money. I think it's a fair comparison. I think it's an interesting one. I just think from a competitive architecture, I think that we're going in two different directions. It's very clear that Sean wants to be world champion. If Sean is not world champion, when this whole uh, story is written, it will all be for naught, at least within his mind. If Patty never gets close to a world title and never competes for fun, and this whole story is written, it doesn't seem to be a letdown, at least not in his mind. Those are two very different things. And I'm not giving Patty a hard time. I normally would. I normally would because the guy normally wouldn't be over. Patty made it work by leaving that out. It still leaves me as the viewer. What direction are we going? What's next for Patty? Okay, fine. We generally don't know for anybody, but we have three or four. And we start bringing topics in and we start arguing about it. Then we get an announcement and part of us got our way and part of us didn't get our way. I have not got any idea what Patty wants to do next, which is why I don't have any idea what Patty is going to do next. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, you can leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can visit the links in today's episode, which will take you directly to my sponsors, Dave and Roan. Have a great week, guys, and make sure you come back on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. <laughs>